My wife is not drafting Odell Beckham Jr. in fantasy football this year. I asked her about it. Honey, would you draft Odell Beckham Jr. if you were playing fantasy football this year? And she said, who's Odell Beckham Jr.? I said, he's the New York Giants wide receiver who's now linked to a Kardashian. I'm not sure which one, the tall one. And she said, <gasps> ooh, ooh, I, ooh, yeah, uh, that was the sound that came out of her body. <laughs> I was horrified. What? What was that noise? She said, you don't want any part of any man linked to a Kardashian. The Kardashian curse is real. They are the destroyers of young men. That's right, they are. It's a Venus flytrap. And the siren song of the Kardashian fame can woo people that are already famous. That's the amazing thing about it. You know that linking up with a Kardashian is going to turn your life upside down. Even someone like Kanye West, who was already at the heights of fame, the most famous hip-hop artist at the time, he started dating Kim Kardashian. If anyone would be immune to the Kardashian effect, it would be Kanye West. But now Kanye West, he's deciding that he's going to do a pop-up show in New York and cause a riot. I think I saw a car flipped over and on fire. He's not thinking clearly. Ever since he started dating a Kardashian, Kanye West has had the mental stability of Bobby Fischer. But let's talk specifically about athletes. Let's put the rock stars and the hip-hop stars off to the side, focus just on the athletes. How many athletes improved professionally after dating a Kardashian? Let's start with Reggie Bush. What were Reggie Bush's splits with and without a Kardashian in his life? We heard from Jacob Rickroad on Twitter. You can follow him at Clutch Fantasy. He writes, Reggie Bush missed 10 games over two seasons in 2007 and 2008 while dating Kim Kardashian. Uh-oh. When Reggie Bush was dating a Kardashian, he was a one-dimensional satellite back that was used sparingly. Post-Kardashian, he became the every-down workhorse for the Miami Dolphins. How about the basketball player Chris Humphreys? Where does he play now? That's what I thought. I mean, Lamar Odom almost died after being ensnared in this swirl that is the Kardashian alternate reality. So yes, I am very concerned about Odell Beckham Jr. in fantasy football. And you can see exactly how concerned I am by going to playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings and checking out my seasonal wide receiver rankings. I'm not as worried about Odell Beckham Jr. in Dynasty because typically when you date a Kardashian, it lasts less than a year. But in 2016, while he is dating a Kardashian, I think it's Khloe Kardashian, that's the year in which a Kardashian could have a negative impact on Odell Beckham Jr.'s fantasy output. Yes, it's true. This is a metrics-based show. Roto Underworld Radio was created to talk about all of the advanced metrics available on playerprofiler.com. That is the focus of the show, our numbers, metrics, an evidence-based process to everything. Debunking the narratives that plague sports. Oh, but there's some exceptions. You have to make some narrative exceptions once in a while. And one of the narratives that I will heed is the Kardashian narrative because it's just so powerful. 
That family is such a corrosive force that we must pay attention to it. We can't ignore it. I can't. So you will see multiple receivers ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. on my redraft rankings this season. And that's what I want to do today. I want to go through my top 10 wide receiver rankings because that's fun. It's fun to talk about good players. So often on this show, we look at the late round value plays. That's a big focus of the show. I coined the hashtag late round everything. Hashtag late round everything on Twitter. So I like mining value at the end of a draft. But once in a while, it's fun to talk about the really good players. So that's what we're going to do today. Talk about top 10 wide receivers. Yeah, baby. Woohoo. But before we do that, I want to read a buzzard email. Buzzard writes in, one of the reasons I used to like your show is because it wasn't saturated with advertisements. Now that you've become big time, quote unquote, I feel like I'm being inundated with ads. No thanks. Unsubscribe. I'm sorry, Buzzard. I'm sorry that I've robbed you of your right to completely free content that's also free of any advertising. I'm sorry I robbed you of entertainment's version of Cold Fusion. And so with that, let's hear from a sponsor. Verbs, nouns, adjectives, the things most adults take for granted. But for your child, a lifetime of backstroking through the fountain of knowledge begins in one place, the home. And the dish ran away with the pocket presents. Look at me. I'm reading, Mommy. I've never been more proud of you, my little angel. As early as three months old, a child begins absorbing language. Now, some pediatricians might say it's imperative the parent owns that responsibility. But come on, you're freaking busy. Netflix, daily fantasy sports, sweeping up the pieces of that broken marriage, it all takes too much time. But that's where we come in. Introducing Scout and Speak. Great zone blocking, downhill run, sluggish with his cut, a violent runner. He often gets too cute. Great job, honey. I guess I never realized Derrick Henry's footwork was a possible pitfall. He's Brandon Jacobs 2.0. Jesus, better call the guys in my league about this. She sounds so convincing, yet somewhat non-committal. With the Scout and Speak Home Learning System, your child doesn't just learn to read, but they also learn the time-honored skill of placing fault on young athletes in a way that resembles a snake eating its own contradictory tail, or as we call it, Scouting Speak. He's a long body-length player who can drop his hips surprisingly well. He's stiff in and out of his breaks. I'd probably still give up the 212 for him in a startup. I know that's bullshit, but call the farmer in the Dell because this goat is coming home with me. Sarah, come here. He's doing his first Dynasty podcast. Look at our baby's Martavis Bryant takes. It feels like only yesterday that he grinded his first tape. He's reading and he's evaluating. We need to cherish this. Should we sign him up for peewee football? <laughs> Let's not get crazy. And coming soon from the makers of Scout and Speak, Coach and Speak. Our guys left it all out on the field today, but we need to be more consistent. Our only focus now is our next opponent. 
That sounds like a great educational tool. But now we need to get back to Odell Beckham Jr. talk. Because I still have Odell Beckham Jr. in the top 10. Dating a Kardashian by itself doesn't push one outside the top 10. But he's not in the top two. Because I'm concerned about his off-the-field situation. It wasn't just that he's dating a Kardashian. It's that he dated a Kardashian and he's skipping workouts with the team. I'm worried this is going to be a trend. That his focus is not going to be on football this year. And that the game is both physical and mental. It is. It just is. And again, we don't have any metrics for mental capacity, but it's self-evident that if you're dating a Kardashian, you are necessarily going to be distracted more than almost any other player in the league. So I am concerned about that. One thing I'm not concerned about is where to play fantasy football. I love realitysportsonline.com because it offers sophisticated features such as a rookie draft, multi-year contracts, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contracts, and salary cap functionality. And you can test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agent auction. And that's a great way to get a feel for just how cool the platform really is. And then if you like what you see, you could enter the promo code UNDERWORLD to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. My top 10 receivers are brought to you by Reality Sports Online. And my number one receiver, I think we all know who he is. We can all say it together. One, two, if you're in your car, if you're running, if you're on the treadmill, if you're just sitting at your desk, if you're in church sneaking a listen on one of your earbuds, I don't care. Let's all say it together right now. The number one wide receiver in all of fantasy and someone I believe may end up becoming eventually the number one wide receiver of all time. Everybody say it with me. One, two, three. Antonio Brown. That's right. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a real threat to surpass Jerry Rice in multiple career statistical categories. I believe Jerry Rice is scared of Antonio Brown. I think that Jerry Rice checks Antonio Brown's stats once a day, constantly extrapolating Antonio Brown's last four years and hoping that that production level doesn't continue. I think every Sunday during the season, the first team that Jerry Rice checks in the box scores is not San Francisco. And not because San Francisco is an irrelevant franchise, which they are. He's checking the Pittsburgh Steelers because he's worried about Antonio Brown. We broke this news on the Football Die Hard show last week. Jerry Rice is worried about Antonio Brown because last season with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, Antonio Brown was on pace to post the most prolific wide receiver season in NFL history. And Ben Roethlisberger has four to five productive years left. And unlike Julio Jones, who wins with explosive verticality, Antonio Brown wins with technical ability, spatial awareness, exceptional hands. His game is all about nuance, and for that reason, I believe his game will age better than any wide receiver we've seen since Jerry Rice, and Jerry Rice knows this! He does! He sees a player that looks like him playing flanker like he used to play it. And he knows you can mark Antonio Brown down for a 120-plus reception season year over year over year. In fact, this year, because Martavis Bryant is suspended, 
I believe that Antonio Brown will break Marvin Harrison's single-season receptions record. Don't be surprised when Antonio Brown reaches the 150-catch threshold in 2016. Because I also think that offenses across the league will improve. Last year was a down year across the board in the NFL for offensive production and offensive efficiency. I think it comes back into balance in 2016. Led by Antonio Brown, who I believe will have the most prolific season ever by a wide receiver, assuming Ben Roethlisberger plays 16 games. Of course, this is all predicated on Ben Roethlisberger playing 16 games. If Ben Roethlisberger plays eight games and Landry Jones plays eight games, of course that's not going to happen. But you can mark Antonio Brown down for 120-plus receptions and 1,500-plus yards for the foreseeable future. And if you start to do the math in your head, suddenly Jerry Rice's records no longer look safe. And that's why I have Antonio Brown, who averaged 23.8 fantasy points per game, as my number one wide receiver in seasonal redraft leagues. Followed very closely by Julio Jones. Because I believe Julio Jones will post career numbers in 2016. You might say, how is that possible? How could Julio Jones be better than he was last year? He had 136 receptions last year. 1,871 yards, those were both number one in the league. 679 yards after the catch was also number one in the league. I'll tell you how. Because Julio Jones was outside the top 10 in touchdowns. A guy who's 6'3", 220 pounds, who has a 133.0 93rd percentile burst score on playerprofiler.com, which equally weights and combines the vertical jump and the broad jump into one metric. You look at a guy like that, a guy with a 1037 97th percentile catch radius, He is a red zone weapon. You could argue only Des Bryant and Allen Robinson are more effective in the red zone than than Julio Jones. I almost called him Julio Jones. Than Julio Jones. So I believe that if Julio Jones plays 16 games, he's a lock for double-digit touchdowns. And if he's a lock for double-digit touchdowns, then I think he'll simply replicate his catch total and his yardage total from last season, especially now that Josh Norman isn't in the NFC South. Then you add in some additional touchdowns, and all of a sudden, boom, Julio Jones has a career year. I think there will be a number of career years posted in 2016. We could very well see an offensive explosion across the NFL this season. Last season, we were held back by a strangely inefficient year by Aaron Rodgers. Most believe he will bounce back. A healthy Andrew Luck, a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. Woo! <laughs> The ascendance of Derek Carr, the ascendance of Blake Bortles, the ascendance of Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. NFL offenses around the league could set aggregate records for yards and touchdowns in 2016. I see that happening. And in Atlanta, nothing has changed for Julio Jones. They didn't upgrade their wide receivers. He went from Roddy White to Mohamed Sanu. That's a push. He went from Leonard Hankerson to Justin Hardy. That's a push. Goes from Jacob Tammy to Jacob Tammy. That's a push. That's the ultimate push, isn't it? Going from Jacob Tammy to Jacob Tammy. I mean, talk about just breaking even. Even Steven. Jacob Tammy. Jacob even Steven Tammy. If anything, Tevin Coleman will be on the field more and less targets will go to Devontae Freeman. Again, everything sets up for Julio Jones to have a career year, but I don't think he'll be able to catch Antonio Brown in fantasy point output because things have changed for Antonio Brown. What's changed? Martavis Bryant's not there. Because Martavis Bryant's not there, 
more targets will be funneled to Antonio Brown. I know they upgraded their tight end. I know Le'Veon Bell's coming back, but it wasn't like they weren't throwing the ball to D'Angelo Williams, and they were throwing the ball to Heath Miller. Heath Miller just wasn't doing much with the ball because he's the definition of a tight end that lacks explosiveness. So now they have a tight end with explosiveness. So yes, Ladarius Green will command a few more targets, but not enough to make up for the loss of Martavis Bryant. And yet, Martavis Bryant's role in the offense will be nicely replaced by Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates will stretch the field just as effectively as Martavis Bryant did. He just won't catch as many footballs as Martavis Bryant did on a per-game basis. So with Sammy Coates and his speed and explosive athleticism stretching the field and Ladarius Green commanding respect down the seam, that will actually open up things for Antonio Brown unlike we've ever seen. Most of the time, when a team upgrades the other weapons in the passing attack, we have to necessarily decrease our projections for the incumbent player in the passing game, knowing that those upgraded weapons will command more targets. You see so often in fantasy football these arguments that, oh, well, they've upgraded their passing attack to take pressure off of the number one wide receiver. Get out of here! You don't want them taking pressure off Julio Jones. You don't want... Atlanta signing a top wide receiver free agent. You don't want them doing that. You want them signing Mohamed Sanu to ensure that Julio Jones will continue to command a 32.9% target share, which was number two in the league last year. That's what you want. You want the target share. You'd All else being equal, you'd rather have additional targets than more space to operate with the exception of Antonio Brown. I think that the presence of Sammy Coates and Ladarius Green will open things up just enough, just a notch more for Antonio Brown to make him that much more effective, but I can't see him losing targets to those players either. So that might be the one case where an upgrade like Heath Miller to Ladarius Green actually helps another player in the passing game, Antonio Brown. But either way, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, you can't go wrong with either one of those players. They're both sublime talents. With the first pick in the draft, you could pick either one, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. But when I'm sitting down and reviewing those two receivers next to each other, I juxtapose Julio Jones with Antonio Brown. I have to go with Antonio Brown. Well, who's next? Well, after Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr., it's A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green's numbers will improve this year from last year because in 2014, A.J. Green had a 31.5% target share. That's Julio Jones-esque. That was third in the league in 2014. And then because Marvin Jones returned and Tyler Eifert ascended, what happened? Well, A.J. Green's target share dropped to 26.7%. That was 11th in the league. But here's the funny thing. His fantasy points per game remained the same because last year he was more healthy. So if you take a healthy A.J. Green with a top five target share, which is what we're projecting A.J. Green to receive in 2016, oh, oh yes, yes, yes. I think that will boost A.J. Green's fantasy point output from 17.2 to something around 20 in 2016. I think A.J. Green has maybe the highest floor other than Antonio Brown and Julio Jones of all the wide receivers in the NFL. He's competing for targets with Brandon LaFell, a washed retread, and a rookie in Tyler Boyd. 
It's a similar situation to Julio Jones in Atlanta. He is by far and away the most talented asset in the passing game, and they will feed him targets. I believe his targets will increase from 132 last year to well over 150. We also don't know what the game flow is going to look like. One of the reasons why A.J. Green's targets were relatively low, 132 targets last year was 15th in the league. You'd like to see A.J. Green be in the top 10 in targets. He deserves to be there. And I think he can get there if the Cincinnati Bengals can be in more competitive games. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will be better this year. I think the Baltimore Ravens will be better this year. And so I think game flow will work in Andy Dalton and A.J. Green's favor. And those 536 pass attempts, which was 26th in the league by the Cincinnati Bengals last season, I think that's going to increase to something closer to 600, and then you can assume that a significant number of those targets will get funneled to A.J. Green, and that's how he's going to get up closer to that 160 target number, and that's how he's going to get his fantasy points up to 20 from 17. And right there with A.J. Green, just like I have Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, 1A, 1B, I have A.J. Green and Allen Robinson, 4A and 4B. It's very difficult to decide between Allen Robinson and A.J. Green. In fact, I'm hedging. I'm drafting Allen Robinson in best ball leagues because he's capable of these 40-point weeks. He led the NFL last year in touchdowns with 14, as well as receptions of 20 yards or more with 31. He led the league in big plays by a wide receiver last year by a significant margin. He's the definition of a big play wide receiver, and for that reason, I like him more than A.J. Green in best ball, but in traditional leagues, I'd rather go with A.J. Green. If I have to set my lineup every week... I'd rather have A.J. Green. There's a safety in knowing what you're getting with A.J. Green. Because A.J. Green is the only wide receiver in the NFL with more than two seasons of experience who has posted a top 24 fantasy wide receiver season each and every year he's been in the league. I mean, that would be my argument for why A.J. Green is the best receiver. I mean, it is an argument. I think it's Antonio Brown. Someone else could say it's Julio Jones, and I think there's also an argument for why it might be A.J. Green. And I think after this season, there will be arguments as to why it might be Allen Robinson. Because Allen Robinson is the future of the position. A number of members of the 2014 rookie wide receiver class are now going into their third year, and they are the future of the NFL, of the wide receiver position. The future is here. Offenses underperformed on average in 2015, as I mentioned earlier. Oh, but I heard Allen Robinson is destined for a major regression in 2016. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to regress. I've said this already on multiple shows. The people on Twitter don't know what the word regress means. Just send them a link to dictionary.com forward slash regress when you read that on social media because it doesn't make sense. Because the people saying that Allen Robinson is going to regress are using the word regress incorrectly. They're saying he's going to underperform expectations. That's not what regress means. Regress means to revert back to a mean. And if you go back all the way to Allen Robinson's sophomore season at Penn State, he's only been dominant. That's all he's ever been. Even in his rookie year, he posted a 15% hog rate on playerprofiler.com. That's targets per snap. That was top 15 in the NFL. Even as a rookie, pre-injury, he was top 15 in hog rate. So he has always been a dominant target hog going all the way back to his sophomore season at Penn State. 
So you got me. He will regress in 2016. He'll regress from excellent to terrific. You got me, everybody. Regress. That is unless Jacksonville suddenly acquires a top five defense in the league and a highly efficient run game. I believe their run game will improve incrementally. I believe their defense is going to improve incrementally, but they're not going to suddenly become the Seattle Seahawks of 2014. No, there will be plenty of pass volume in Jacksonville in 2016 to sustain Allen Robinson as a WR1 in fantasy. If any wide receiver would experience a regression in 2016, it would be Allen Hearns, because I don't believe Allen Hearns has the physical makeup, the athleticism profile of a 10 touchdown wide receiver. Alan Hearns will never reach double digit touchdowns again in his career. That's not the type of wide receiver Alan Hearns is. He's not a touchdown scorer. The touchdown scores in the Jacksonville passing game are Alan Robinson and Julius Thomas. That's the list. Alan Hearns will not post the same number of fantasy points per game in 2016 that he did in 2015 because he won't enjoy as much garbage time. Nobody will. Feels like Jacksonville broke garbage time records last year. So the game flow won't be as friendly for the passing game. But it's not going to be Seattle Seahawks level unfriendly either. But when you're the number two receiver and you're not a primary red zone threat, when game flow starts to turn, you are the first one to be negatively impacted by it. It's not the number one wide receiver. The number one wide receiver is relatively game flow agnostic. It's the number two receivers that are most often impacted by the game flow. Their output is diminished. But there is a number one wide receiver in the league that I believe will experience a significant change in game flow that will impact his fantasy output. Not significantly, but just enough to bump him outside the top five so that I won't be drafting him in any leagues. Because if you go to DeAndre Hopkins' profile on playerprofiler.com, you can see his MFL 10 ADP in the top left-hand corner. It's 5.9. He's the sixth player drafted. And I'm not drafting DeAndre Hopkins as the sixth player off the board. I'm not doing it because he is a player that is actually destined to regress because all internal and external forces are working against Hopkins. And you might ask, what do you mean by an internal force? I mean, Hopkins himself, the intrinsic qualities of DeAndre Hopkins don't do him a lot of favors. He's not particularly explosive. He runs a 4.57. That's 39th percentile. Below average burst, below average agility, below average catch radius. And while DeAndre Hopkins is phenomenal at the catch point, exhibited by his 61.0 contested catch rate, which is 16th in the league. That's why DeAndre Hopkins was so productive last season. On 41 contested targets, he converted over 60% of them. His contested catch rate was higher than his actual catch rate. But once again, DeAndre Hopkins will be attempting to convert receptions from an inaccurate quarterback. And the difference between Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer is, while they're both below replacement, at least Brian Hoyer was willing to push the ball downfield. Brock Osweiler is a scared game manager. So they go from an inefficient gunslinger to a fearful game manager. That's a quarterback downgrade from the wide receiver's perspective. And what else happened in Houston? Well, they upgraded their run game. That's never good for the wide receivers. When the team says, we're going to invest in the run game, we're going to sign the highest-priced free agent running back 
Lamar Miller. That's a major upgrade over Alfred Blue, who dominated the running back touches last season. Houston's defense is healthy and upgraded. That's not good. And they upgraded their complementary receivers. They used a first-round pick on Will Fuller. Now, normally I would say a field stretcher like Sammy Coates in Pittsburgh, that's a good thing for the underneath receiver, the flanker, the DeAndre Hopkins, the Antonio Browns, the Keenan Allens. I don't think Keenan Allen's going to be negatively impacted by the presence of Travis Benjamin in San Diego, but it's not like they signed Travis Benjamin. Will Fuller is not Ted Ginn. Will Fuller was a dominant college receiver in his own right, posting a college dominator rating above 40% in the 90th percentile. So Will Fuller represents real competition for targets. This is all bad news for DeAndre Hopkins. All these external forces are working against him, and he doesn't have Julio Jones-level athleticism to rise above it. DeAndre Hopkins received 192 targets last season. That's an enormous number. His targets will fall by probably around 40, down closer to 150. And most receivers, when they receive less targets, their efficiency goes up. So a lot of receivers are able to balance out less volume with enhanced efficiency. But even if DeAndre Hopkins improves on his plus 4.1 production premium, which was only number 43 in the league last year, I think that will go up. I think it's yards per target of 7.9, which was 51 in the league last year. I think that's going up. So if his catch rate, his yards per target, and his production premium all rise in 2016, I don't think that'll be enough of an efficiency gain to offset the loss of targets because the game flow is going to shift dramatically from 2015 to 2016 in Houston. Now, the next player I want to talk about is Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen is brought to you by Apex Fantasy Leagues, an exciting place to play seasonal fantasy football for money. With a skill-based format and industry-leading payouts, Apex ensures the best fantasy players win big money. Apex hosts 12-team PPR leagues, that provide a variety of drafting options, live email, serpentine auction, everything. Apex also offers Dynasty Leagues now. Ah, I see so many people looking for new Dynasty Leagues. Go to Apex and start one. And if you're worried that your particular format won't fill, Apex will pump up the prize pool to make sure that leagues fill. It's pretty cool. Finally, Apex is the place to play if you trust your ability and want to mitigate randomness. Not only does Apex have high payouts on a percentage basis, but it also features blind bidding and two matchups per week versus single head-to-head matchups, and that helps to negate the randomness and the arbitrary strength of schedule that some teams enjoy more than others. So if you trust your fantasy skills, go to apexfantasyleagues.com and sign up today. Now, I have Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. So we talked about how Antonio Brown and Julio Jones are essentially tied at the top, and how A.J. Green and Allen Robinson are essentially tied for fourth. Well, I think DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen are essentially tied for seventh. Keenan Allen, 20 fantasy points per game last season. I think Keenan Allen had the quietest 20 fantasy points per game we've ever seen in fantasy football. If I asked any fantasy expert, how many fantasy points per game did Keenan Allen post last season? How many of them do you think are guessing 20 or more? I would say very few. The reason why Keenan Allen was so productive last season is because he was hugely efficient. 75% catch rate, a 68.8% contested catch rate. That was DeAndre Hopkins-esque. Keenan Allen is essentially DeAndre Hopkins West. Like DeAndre Hopkins, he's super strong at the catch point. 
And he's so willing to sacrifice his body to make a catch that he lacerated his kidney last year. That's not a run-of-the-mill injury, but he's now 100%. And unlike other players who missed time last season with injuries to knee ligaments and bones, even though Keenan Allen's injury could have been career-threatening, because it wasn't career-threatening and because it was to an organ, it's actually less of a worry from a fantasy football standpoint when we're talking about calculating injury risk. And I think Keenan Allen is in a very similar situation to Antonio Brown. He's the clear-cut number one target hog on an offense that didn't really improve the supporting weaponry. Yes, they brought in Travis Benjamin, but he is a field stretcher. Unlike Will Fuller, he's never been a big-time producer. He's there to stretch the field. He's there to create more room for Keenan Allen to operate. Antonio Gates is another year older, another year of decline. Necessarily, Antonio Gates's production will continue to diminish in 2016, and that means that Keenan Allen will continue to be fed high-volume targets, but because now they have a field stretcher, we talked about this last year. San Diego was missing the field stretcher component last year. They just had a bunch of flankers out there. They had Keenan Allen and a bunch of guys that looked like poor man's Keenan Allens in Dontrell Inman and Stevie Johnson. Now with Travis Benjamin, they have someone that can actually stretch the field and create more room for Keenan Allen. So even if the run game improves and the game flow constricts on Keenan Allen, I think with his efficiency, he can still reach 20 fantasy points per game. And of course... We have to talk about Brandon Cooks because I am the only one out there who has Brandon Cooks in his top 10 fantasy wide receivers. Because Brandon Cooks will receive a target spike in 2016. And if anyone is capable of absorbing a target spike in 2016 and remaining efficient like Antonio Brown, it's Brandon Cooks.